This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to the Human Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the human animal connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the human animal connection. All right, welcome back to the Human Animal Connection Show. I'm your host, Michael Overly, and I'm with Jeannie Joseph to discuss another fantastic episode. Yeah, today we're talking about our program called Canines Teach Compassion, and this is a program where we go into high school classrooms and work with teens, and these are teens that are in counseling or dealing with various different issues, and we're just so excited about this program and what it does for the kids. We have seen over 50% reduction in stress levels with just one hour of interaction with the dogs. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's such a, it's such an amazing thing because sometimes, you know, kids need to talk, but sometimes what they need is beyond words. You know, they just need to be loved by a dog or cuddle with a dog. And um, that just changes everything about their experience and about their sense of self and you know, one of the principles in this program is that you can't be compassionate towards others until you have some compassion for yourself. So that's where we start. We start with the idea that um, self-compassion is the growing ground for being nicer to others. I know some folks in the animal-assisted um, therapies and animal-assisted intervention spaces as well. And the results from what I hear, I mean, in no time at all, the difference that can be made as far as breaking through this little barrier. Um, to gain access to this child is fantastic. Well, and adults, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And you, you and I have talked about the work I've done with 4,000 service members and their families. And, you know, it's sometimes what a dog can do is is just amazing. Like we had this one boy in class and he was, you know, it was a high school. So we have, you know, uh, 13 through 18. Uh, he was very young. Maybe he had skipped a grade. So he just didn't quite fit, you know, and he was small and tiny and he just, you know, he didn't talk at all. I mean, like just, I mean, not, he had the capacity to talk, but he just was not talking. And we had this one dog. She was a, um, uh, a English bull mastiff. So a 130 pound dog. And this boy was maybe 85 pounds or something like this, you know, and therapy dogs are not allowed to lick people. That's not part of their job, you know, just because of, for sanitary reasons, whatever. But, and this dog didn't, was not a licker, but she just took one look at, well, first of all, she said hi to all the kids. So she, everybody got a greeting, everybody, you know, she loved everybody, but then she found this one boy and she just licked him and then she licked him and then she licked him and everybody just burst out laughing in a good way, not in a negative way, but, you know, just with him because he was laughing and they were laughing and everyone was laughing. And it was just, this dog just said, this is my person, you know, to be chosen by a dog you know, is, is such an extraordinary experience when you've seen the dog be nice to everyone, you know, but that that dog really selects you and says, you're my person for the hour or whatever, you know, just to, 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 she just loved him up. And after that, we couldn't shut him up. He just talked all the time. What's next? What are we doing today? Well, we can do this. We can, what's that for? Well, you know, just, he became a chatterbox. And it was so funny to see this in, in the course of an hour, to have this complete transformation of experience that changed his whole high school trajectory, you know, because before he had been just not engaging and interacting and connecting with the dog just changed everything, you know, because this dog saw his essence. He saw the 
beauty in his spirit and soul and just wanted to connect with it. And, and everybody else saw that too. So everybody else's perception changed of him. So his perception of himself changed and uh, the, the other students around him changed and he became one of the, one of the gang, you know, one of the crew, not a gang, but you know, one of the, one of the people. And that is just so inspiring to see what animals can do to reach across the divide and connect. Yeah. Well, that dog changed the trajectory of his whole life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, what can they teach us about empathy? Um, dogs, not the kids necessarily. <laughs> um, and then, why is that even more important today? Well, you know, in all, we've had you know so many mass shootings, and almost all of these mass shootings are loners—people who have no social connections, who don't feel any love, don't feel any support, and. You know, there's an epidemic of loneliness in our society, and it's very serious because it, these people can pick up guns and shoot people, you know. So, at, that's why we're, it's so important to us to be in a high school environment, even though we have some volunteers like, oh, I'm not going into high school. It's too scary, <laughs> you know. But we really want to be there because it's so important to intervene at this stage of life when, when people are not in the innocence of childhood, but not yet adults can't make decisions you know, for them, for themselves yet, you know, um, and yet that, you know, these are some of the, sometimes students who are feeling this tremendous isolation are very, very dangerous, not all, but some, right. And so enough that, that we have to really take this problem seriously. So we view, and in fact, the current Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, has written a book called Together, and he says there is an epidemic of loneliness in the society in general, but particularly amongst the young adults. And this is something, this is why we feel it's so important to intervene at the high school level, is to help kids connect with the sense of connection. So if you can connect with a dog, then it's it becomes easier to think about connecting with a person. And one of the things that we'll do is we'll line up five dogs. So we've got our English bull Mastiff and we've got my little Sophia 25 pound Chihuahua mix and, and Bailey, you know, black dog. So all different colors, all different sizes, shapes, all different fur. And we'll say, what is the same about, well, we we'll first say, what's different about all these dogs? And they can all say, well, this one's this color or this one's the shape or this breed or whatever. They see all the differences. And then we say, okay, so what's the same? Well, they're all dogs. And well, how is that true about you? You know, well, you have pink hair and you have purple hair and, you know, different color skin or different religion or different whatever. So we can see all the differences, but we can also see how we're all the same. So by using the dogs, we can really make the point about, yes, we can look at difference and we can notice difference, but we can also connect with sameness. And to me, this is a first step in developing empathy is to recognize sameness and similarity. It's very easy for us to see difference. We can, you know, you're a man, I'm a woman, you have you know, I have this color hair and you don't have hair on your head right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of ways I can see all the differences, but I can also see how we're the same on a, on a spiritual level, on a being level, on a human level. I can see how we're, we're the same. And, you know, you and I have had similar experiences, even though we've had different lives. You know, it becomes that begins to build empathy because we see sameness. So to help the kids view life and view each other through the lens of sameness as well as difference because we're always going to notice difference it's in our nature to notice that but we have to be able to choose to switch to see sameness because when we see sameness we can feel empathy love that and that yeah. is so extremely important today yeah really is I'm, I'm glad you're working with the kids too uh, there's there's so much focus right now on mental health of adults who 
haven't done some work on themselves or yeah. um, find themselves in, in a lot of trouble and in, in this crisis mode. And I think it's really important to, um, to do things like this earlier. As you mentioned, my partner, she works with um, you know, grade school kids. Yeah. So she's trying to help teach them some other skills that they may not be getting at home. And I think that's just wonderful. Yeah, it's just wonderful. I mean, you know, we need it at every level. We need it, you know, in pre-K all the way through college. You know, there, in the old days, like in, in the 40s, there were dogs on college campuses all the time. Professors would bring their dogs. And, you know, we need to bring that back because therapy dogs... We, we do work with kids who are getting ready for their final exams. Like we, like yes, the other day was yes Monday. We were at the school, and it was before finals. And that one girl said to us, "Now I'm going to do well on my final." After she just like spent some time cuddling with Sophia because she just she could feel herself get calm. And we in our program we don't just do cuddling and fun, although that would be plenty just to do that. But we also teach the kids how to recognize their emotional states through recognizing the emotional states of dogs. So we teach them a 10-point system, 10 being like the worst stress of your life, or in the case of a dog, someone's going to get hurt. You know, that's when a dog bites is when they get to a 10. And one is a very peaceful state, very relaxed. We teach them how to recognize that in the animal, and we teach them how to recognize it in themselves. So they can begin to see where they are. And just that awareness um, organizes the brain because the awareness, oh, I'm at a six right now. Oh, I'm at a four right now, brings in the prefrontal cortex, which is the ability to make choices and, and to um, make good decisions. Whereas if you're just in the emotional state and you're just at the mercy of it, you don't have as much leverage. So being able to, this one little skill of recognizing and we'll say, so what's Bailey right now? Well, Bailey right now is at a one, he's sleeping at her feet, but you know, he often can be very rambunctious in the class, which is great to have a dog with high energy because we want to show the difference where Sophia's, you know, nine or 10. So she's going to be very mellow and relaxed. <laughs> and this is good for kids to see these different emotional states so they can recognize it in the animal and then recognize it in themselves. And what we do teach the kids is how to help the dogs get calmer. So one of the things we'll do is we'll say, okay, so what's Bailey right now is six. And I'll say, well, okay. And you know, if someone's petting Bailey, I say, what's Bailey? Bailey's at a six. Okay. Where are you? I'm at a six. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? They're both at a six. So we say to the the, you know, the student would say, okay, well, let's, let's do one of our methods that we teach them. Let's get yourself calm. They go down to a four. And I say, so they get peaceful. They get start moving down the scale of emotional activation. And I'll say, well, what's Bailey right now? And they'll say, oh, Bailey's at a four. I say, well, isn't that interesting? Because it turns out emotions and our energy and emotions and energy is contagious. So that works with good energy and bad energy. So we can use that same principle to use good energy to make emotional contagion of goodness, the sense of goodness. We did a whole show on goodness, episode 101. If you'd like to hear that, why that's so important to us to think about the principle of goodness and the energy of goodness. Exactly. Exactly. And indigo matches my energy. We'll be out for a walk and we're still doing some work with her on her activity. But mm -hmm. if, if I keep my energy at a lower level, she does better naturally. That's right. That's Hello. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hi. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and sometimes it'll work the other way. I'll be stressing out about something and Sophia will give me a look like, hey, you know, calm down. <laughs> you know, like, I don't like it when you're running around like this, you know. And if I'm paying it, if I'm not paying attention to her, then I won't notice that she's alerting me to my stress level rising. But if I'm paying attention and I choose to do something about it, I might go, okay, let me take a breath. Let me just sit down for a second and yeah. she'll come and cuddle. She's not going to cuddle with me if I'm 
zipping around and, you know, she's not going to want to be a part of that. And so I can pay attention to her opinion, as we talked about in our last show uh, episode, that was 110. Yeah. Animals have opinions. We talked about how they don't, you know, like Sophia doesn't like it when I get stressy. You know, she's like, what, why, you know, I'm used to you being calm and peaceful. Why are you getting into the stress energy? Well, I'm human. And so I do. But, you know, when I notice that she's reacting to it and that's what helps the kids is that they may not be motivated to feel better for themselves, but they're motivated to feel better to help the dog. And that's how we help the veterans too. We, you know, like they, they don't want to work on their own stuff, but they care about the dog being traumatized. They want to help the dog feel peaceful. They want the dog to be happy and playful. So they're willing to get calm to help the dog. And meanwhile, they've helped themselves. Tell me about friends DeWall. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. the sense of fairness of capucha monkeys. Yes. So this is, you can see this, uh, there's a YouTube video with Franz DeWall and he is, I forgot all the things that he is, but he's a, uh, a, a primatologist and, uh, oh, I forgot all the things. I should remember these things. But anyway, he did this wonderful experiment with capuchin monkeys and they were trained to give the experimenter a, st- a, a little stone. So they would hand the experimenter a stone and in exchange for that, they would get a piece of cucumber, right? And so they would do this forever, you know, I mean, they would keep doing it, giving cucumber, but there would be two capuchin monkeys side by side in crates so they could see each other. And then what the experimenter would do was change the rules of the game by giving one monkey a grape. And a grape was higher value treat to the monkey than the cucumber. So what would happen is one monkey gave a stone, got a cucumber, the other monkey gave a stone, got a grape. And the other monkey saw it. Monkey number one saw that monkey number two getting grape and they would get really mad. They would shake the cage and they would refuse and throw the stone back at the, at the, at the experimenter, you know, until, and then what would happen is the monkey who was getting the grape would actually stop taking the grape until they both got grapes. And so this is a beautiful example of empathy is that the one that was getting the good food, the grapes, you know, the good treat would recognize that it was too distressing for the other one to not get the same. So this was the principle of fairness that he discovered in animals. We talked about jealousy in the previous episode, you know, that animals can experience this, but they also have a sense of fairness. Like dogs, when we're, we, right now we have three dogs in the house, we have a visiting dog. When we're giving treats, we have to be meticulous about each dog gets gets the treat. We can be one, then two, then three, but they all have to get it. You know, like there's a window that they all have to get it because it's very disturbing if one dog gets a treat and the others don't. They're all sitting. They should all get the treat. So there is a sense of fairness that dogs have and other animals have. This was done with monkeys. This experiment's been repeated by several people. I, Franz DeWall is a wonderful, wonderful scientist who's he can't say the word consciousness yet, but he's certainly feeling it. <laughs> you can see with this beautiful work that he's doing. So uh, that's, you can see that vid- video on YouTube, the capuchin monkeys getting a, the sense of fairness. I think it's called the sense of fairness. Or you can search it. Yeah. I think we need to play that one in grade school as well. Oh, I do. I play it for the soldiers. I've had soldiers tell me that video changed their lives because they feel that too. You know, there's, uh, you know, that in the military, there, there are rules and procedures, but if somebody's getting special treatment or, or if somebody else is not pulling their weight, it disturbs the whole system. It, it, it interferes with everything in the unit. So they also have in this, and it's wired biologically, but there, there's a tremendous need for fairness. That's why we don't like it when people break the norms, you know, because you know hey there are rules we should all follow them yeah yeah, yeah. i see both sides of that coin too but maybe yeah sure yeah I, I, yeah well that yeah i mean you know with humans we get 
we completely. I'm not saying that everything should all be rule bound, but but with animals, with the basics like love, like with attention, like with food, like with where you sleep, with the basic comforts, there is a tremendous need for fairness. And in this case, the the monkeys went on strike. They wouldn't work. Neither one would work until until fairness was restored. You know, when everybody's getting cucumbers, they'll work for cucumbers. But once one gets a grape for the same action, the whole game's over, you know. And they've done some really interesting, this experiment has been expanded upon so they can see kind of how monkeys relate to money, like tokens, like they'll trade them for food and different things, you know, they'll make different deals. It's really interesting to see a chimpanzee economics. <laughs> I think I've seen it before without the chimpanzee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is a great place to take a quick break. Okay. Hey, friends. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, check out Dr. Joseph's book, The Human-Animal Connection, Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org, to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, hi. Welcome back, everybody. We've been having a fantastic conversation about Jeannie's program about canines teach compassion. Um, Yeah, just this has been so enlightening for me. I I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, and ask you about emotional contagion. And right, yeah. we have this both in, in dogs and in people. Yeah, so that's what we were talking about that just a little bit earlier. We were saying that we can see that our emotional state affects the dogs and the dog's emotional state affects us. So it works both ways, both in the positive and the negative. If we're calm, the dog is going to be calm. If the dog is upset, we get upset. So we're out on a walk and the dog starts to get stressed about a dog that's across the street and, you know, they start doing their tenseness and getting all, you know, maybe making some noise and we start getting tense and we're pulling back on that leash and pretty soon we're both a hot mess, <laughs> you know, and that's emotional contagion. So it works in the negative, meaning that we can get, we can stress each other out, but it also works in the positive that we can calm each other down. So a calm person can help a dog calm down and a calm dog can help calm a person down. And that's how we work with our therapy dogs. These are dogs that are temperamentally very calm and they're trained to work with people who are in different emotional states and they go into the classroom and our program Canines Teach Compassion. And what this does is it helps people realize, oh, if I'm in a crappy mood, that's contagious to other people. But if I'm in a good mood, that can help other people too. So just by using your smile, you can help lift someone's day. A genuine smile. Nobody likes a fake smile. But if you're genuinely nice to someone and say, hey, that's a nice shirt, you know, that can really make someone stay, you know, I like your earrings, whatever it is, it doesn't, you know, these things are really helpful to spread the good energy. So do you see this also in, in let, let's go towards a pack mentality where you've got a dog who's a little off, he goes in with some other animals and you can see that dynamic change as well. Absolutely. We see that all the time. We see one dog being imbalanced can affect the whole pack. And we see this with people in workplaces, you know, one person is, just a complainer or a whiner or whatever, a victim or whatever they've got going, you know, and it just, everybody's like, Whoa, you know, it affects everybody. You walk in, you're in a great mood and into that workplace environment and there's someone who's just not in the same place and it can, it can 
be really challenging to maintain your own energy state, to have a good emotional boundary, energetic boundary, so that you can maintain your positive good energy in the presence of people who are in a different state. And sometimes if you are, um, when you get good at it, it's not all that easy, but when you get good at it, then you can sometimes shift the energy field around you without even saying anything to the other person, but just by holding your own sense of goodness. So if the other person is ready to change, they will. If they're not, they won't. You know, it's not like we're magicians, but sometimes it can be very effective to just not give in to the negativity of somebody's complaining, oh, God, that's terrible thing, terrible thing, terrible thing. And you go, yeah, but, you know, did you see how the sky is so beautiful today? You know, I mean, sometimes that can just shift the energy by not contributing to the negativity, not mm-hmm. adding to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I teach others um, in a similar fashion to hold this other space for somebody, regardless yeah. of what they're doing, saying, feeling, being in that moment. Is um, if we can hold this other level of energy for them, mm-hmm. it's often enough to mitigate it completely. Exactly. You know, and sometimes like we'll be sitting outside having our morning tea and the beautiful morning and this beautiful desert and looking at the cactus and all of a sudden the dogs will see something that they have to chase and they get into their primal energy and they want to leave our sweet side and go running off. And it's like, well, okay, just let them do that. Let them have that experience and they'll go chase or pursue or do whatever, explore. And then when they're done with that, they're going to come back and have some more calmness. And if I were to get upset about that, there would be two energies that would be sort of destabilized. But if I just go, okay, that dog's having that experience right now, I can let the dog have a higher energy. I would, you know, it could even call it a disturbance if I'm in a peaceful state, but it doesn't have to be a disturbance. It could just be a dog being a dog. And that way I can maintain my peaceful state, know that the dog's going to maybe bark and run and chase and scamper and dust is going to fly and all these things are going to happen. The birds are going to go, you know, fleeing a lot of events. And then it's going to change because I'm going to keep my peaceful state and the dog's going to have their little run and fun. And then they're going to come back and say, okay, it's peaceful near you. I'm going to sit near you again. (laughs) And that's that's how we can be with people too. We can let them have their, you know, their event whatever their event is, they can have that experience and we can just maintain our peacefulness. And when they're ready, they'll come back and want to be with peaceful with us again. I was going to say dogs have that wisdom that they're yeah. constantly trying to share with us, mm-hmm. right? They can go bing and come right back down when right. they're ready. And that's a good lesson for us because in, in, in a healthy state, you know, young children have tremendous fluidity of their emotions. They can go from like, everything is terrible and then they get something they want and everything's fine <laughs> and that whole thing took 10 seconds you know and that's the same with the animals they move much quickly much more quickly than we do through different emotional states and we can learn to regain that that fluidity for ourselves and we can have a big upset and something is terrible and then we can go okay you know and we can find the peace again and it's not about you know, we're not saints, so we can't maintain this continuous peaceful state, you know, the Zen, you know, sainthood or something. We're not going to do that. We're human. So, we're going to have these wild rides, and that's part of the human experience. But what we can do is say, okay, there we go. I'm taking a ride, and now I feel like being peaceful again. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think of a sine wave. Yeah. Right? And we get these, you know, these peaks and these troughs. Yeah. And as we get better at managing our own emotional states, we those waves get a little smaller. We're still going to go up. We're still going right. to go down, but right. we just don't have to go as far. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But we yeah. are going to have those experiences. I mean, that is part of the human experience. It's not about um, having, at least as far my at least my experience, maybe someone out there has continuous peace and nothing nothing flaps them or whatever. But but I think in the human experience, even peaceful people have these, you know, big upsets, things happen, people die, you know, you know all things happen, right? So, we're going to have them. We're going to have these experiences. And it's about learning how to say, okay, so I'm in the, the low point or I'm, you know, whatever, then I'm going to be in the high point. So, that is just the nature of the human experience. Yep. Yeah, and we all have it. We I don't care, have what, it. I don't care anybody yeah. tells you. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. There's no nobody who gets nobody gets away. I remember when I was younger, I had this friend that I really admired, and he was so successful. I mean, he would go to auditions, and he would just. I'd say, "How was the audition?" Oh, I got it. You know, he would just get the commercial. He was on Broadway shows. He just it just seemed like he had a charm life and everything. And you know, I was just jealous. You know, because everything seemed so easy for him. You know, everything seemed to like, and he was all this positive person. He never had a negative. Yeah, you know, blah blah. You know. <laughs> and then later in life, because you know, I knew knew him over. I don't know, 50 years or something, you know, then I could see he had some really hard things that, that were really hard, you know, really challenging situations. So, yeah, you know, this is, this is what happens. Sometimes people are in cycles where it seems like they're having a perfect ride and you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. That's a huge point. You never know what someone else know. is actually going through unless and then, they actually and then, share it with you. Right. And that's part of the compassion is to recognize that yeah. everybody's having experiences like we are at different times yeah that's amazing so tell me about anna breitenbach well she is an animal communicator and she doesn't work with pet animals she works with wild animals and with nature in general and she was brought in there was i forget what country it was in i forget what country it was but anyway there the trees were dying there was some kind of virus and these beautiful old old ancient trees were were all dire, dying from some tree virus and she was brought in to talk to the trees and see what was what was happening and you know they thought she they could the trees would tell her something that would, could change everything and it was interesting the trees said to her and i'm paraphrasing but she tells the story on a video but she's the trees told her well, we don't mind dying because we're making space for the new trees, but what we're worried about is the rabbits who, who need us. I mean, it was a very beautiful communication. You know, like the trees were willing to die in order to support the other trees that were coming. You know, that they, they had a much longer view rather than a, a view of, oh, we must survive. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an individual need to survive. It was, they saw the whole picture. They saw that that it was bad for the rabbits, you know, or it was disturbing for the rabbits, and they were concerned about that. But they knew that other trees would, would do well because they were having the experience of sorting out, responding to the virus, even though that meant they were dying. So it made the other trees stronger by developing some immunity by this process. And it's now been understood that trees communicate with each other through this network of, of roots and fungal reality. I don't I understand it all, but they have ways that they can communicate to each other. Like in, in Africa, where the giraffes come and eat the acacia leaves, they will communicate to other trees. Here come the giraffes and they emit this toxin that the giraffes don't want to eat the leaves anymore. You know, they communicate to trees in the in distance, hundreds of feet away that the giraffes are coming. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the it's called the mycelial network. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, you know yeah. the big word. The big word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've learned a little bit about it recently. Yeah. That's fantastic. There's, it's there's, so exciting. Again, so much that we don't understand because we can't see it, right? Or maybe we can't hear it. Yeah. We think it doesn't exist. Exactly. So, exactly. What are the four training steps to compassionate canines? Yeah, so in our program, Canines Teach Compassion, which is one of the programs of the Human-Animal Connection, where we go into the high schools, and we help them recognize that another being may be having an experience that's different from yours. So just recognizing that, just recognizing that not everybody feels the same all the time, that somebody, you know, you might be happy, this other person is sad, you might feel like you belong, this other person might feel like they don't belong. So just to recognize that others are having an experience different from yours evolves our consciousness. So that is what we consider the first step in our program of developing compassion. And then the next step is to recognize if a being is suffering, whether that be a dog, like you could say, okay, well, this dog doesn't like too many kids surrounding them all at once. This dog is suffering. So we shouldn't do that. We should go on at a time with this dog or whatever it is, just to recognize that another being is suffering is the next stage in developing that. Because when you do that, you begin to recognize that, oh, suffering, that hurts. I don't want, I don't want to suffer. I don't want that being to suffer. And to then begin to think about, is there some action you could take that would comfort that being or alleviate the situation? So now let's say with that dog that doesn't like being surrounded by five kids all at once, I can say, hey, you know, Sophia would rather interact one-on-one. Could, could we just have one, one student at a time interact with Sophia. And that taking that action, showing them that we can do something that takes her from a, a, a seven stress level down to a three immediately just by having only one person pet her at a time. Just to use as an example, she can handle more, but just to use that as an example, because we have some dogs that are more sensitive. We had one dog, was a greyhound, Mochi. She was so sweet and she would just look at you and melt you, but she would be finished after 15 minutes. She didn't want to stay for the whole hour, you know, she just, she would come and love at such a degree of purity and, and, you know, it would tire her out, you know, to be giving love to the students. So, so just recognizing that, that, that there's an action you can take to alleviate suffering. It could be simple as simple as saying hi or smiling or saying, Hey, you want to sit with us or whatever it is that can alleviate the suffering of someone who's maybe not feeling included. That's a huge thing. And so when you take a when you make a choice to take a meaningful action, you step out of your own comfort zone and say, "Hey, you want to walk with me the next class?" or "Did how'd you do on the test?" or just whatever it is that you choose to take an action that builds connection. These are what we consider the four building blocks of compassion. And from there, everything just opens. It opens our heart. It changes reality for you and for the other person. And that's what's exciting is that it doesn't just change the other person when you act compassionately. It changes you. Yet again, more evidence to how we're all actually connected, right? Yes, yes. And here's Sophia. She came in just at that moment just to say, you can't see her. Oh, I can't see her. She'll, maybe she'll and Lucy's here, so now we have all three. <laughs> and the giraffe. Did you, when did the giraffe come in? The giraffe has been here all along. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, so that's a little bit. If you'd like to read our blog, we have a blog on Canines Teach Compassion on our website, The Human Animal Connection. We've got lots of blogs. And uh, you can also read my book. And there's a whole chapter on this program, Canines Teach Compassion. Um, and Next, in our next episode, 
we're going to be talking about relationship training. And what we mean by that is that instead of looking at discipline or obedience training, we look at perfecting the relationship between people and animals. And that's what creates changes in behavior is improving the relationship and communication. I love it. I can't wait. Yeah. So we'll see you next time, I hope. See you next time. Take care. Give everybody a scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Aloha. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Animal Connection Show. Please visit our website, thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, Musings on How to Create an Exceptional Life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.